0: I want to ignite your faith over the next few weeks as we are back together and really get us focused on what God is doing. And so today, my Come Back Stronger is uh, really going to talk about what the future of the church looks like and uh, learning that vision of where God is taking us as a church. And so I'm going to open up right away to uh, Luke chapter 7 this morning. We're going to break down some scripture verses, and I want to show you a revelation that the Lord gave me as uh, we're taking this church to the next season and what it looks like. Um, in revival. Amen. So in uh, Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36, um, is a story about Jesus, and he was invited by a man into his home to have dinner with him. So it starts here in verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees, the Pharisees are religious leaders, as we know back in that day, one of the Pharisees asked him, being Jesus, to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. Now something that you don't see in this next verse, which is customary when you're having a guest in your house in the Bible days, is because they would walk with their sandals in the dirt and they would travel far, what was customary is they would offer a bowl of water to wash the guest's feet. That was honor to them. That was giving them tribute that you're my guest. I recognize who you are, and we're going to clean your feet so that your feet can be fresh um, as we have dinner together. And what you won't see, as Jesus came into this house, they did not honor him as a guest. Because I believe that when Jesus walked through that door, they invited him. The religious leaders invited Jesus into their house because they were curious about Jesus. But they really didn't recognize who he was. And they did not give him honor. And that's what religion will do. So we're going to expose some things. And so in verse 37, as they're sitting down and eating, this most incredible thing happens. Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Everybody say that. Who was a sinner? What God is highlighting in this scripture verse is a person who was a sinner. And that's what God is looking for in the world today. God is looking for sinners to draw them to repentance. God is looking for those who are broken and lost. He's drawn to them. God is drawing them to the church, but God's focus is on the sinner, amen? And that's where we as a church have to begin to look in this season that we're not coming every Sunday and looking what I can just get out of a service. Listen, you're gonna get something awesome from the services because the Holy Spirit's gonna show up, but we as the church have to get outside of ourselves and begin to look into the world where the sinners are. We've got to get out of our religion and curiosity of what God's going to do for us and begin to look at the sinners. And that's what this is going to show you in the word this morning. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair. And she kissed his feet. And anointed them with fragrant oil. Now, we've heard this story a lot, so I think we almost get a little familiar. Yeah, that's the woman who broke her alabaster box. We sing about it at Easter, right? And and it's this beautiful song. But if you look at this woman, how courageous she was in this moment, because she walks into a room full of men where women were not acceptable in that circle. But she said, I don't care. About anything else at this moment, I've got to get to the feet of Jesus. Because something inside of her, and there's people that think maybe this was Mary, uh, the, the, the sister of Lazarus, when he raised Jesus, when Lazarus from the dead, and she had such a heart of thankfulness. She said, I've got to get to his feet, and I've got to show him reverence and honor. And what she didn't know, she was actually anointing him for his death, burial, and resurrection, symbolically. But this woman who was a sinner who is not acceptable in that, that society, said, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I've had a broken heart with the Savior. My heart has been contrite. My heart has been changed, and I'm going to give it all to the Savior because something inside of me changed that I can't live my normal life I've always lived. I've got to go to the feet of Jesus, and I've got to lay it all down before him. And I believe God is calling his church to have that kind of encounter with Jesus. Not just that Jesus shows up at the door. Jesus, we show up at church and we go through all these curious things of what God's going to do for us. No, God wants us to have a weeping heart in his presence. This is a personal revival, and I don't mean we walk around crying all the time and all crazy like that, but I'm talking about where I got to do what I got to do to touch the hem of his garment. I'm going to take whatever came into this year with me. I'm going to let go of unforgiveness. I'm going to let go of offense. I'm going to let go of the garbage. This is not a season to be hanging on to the things of the old. This is the season that says I've got to get to the hem of his garment, and I've got to touch it because I need to be changed by the power that I know Jesus holds. Amen? I spoke to our team this morning. I said, I believe the church is in the greatest hour we've ever seen. God is raising up his church. And I'm telling you, the devil is poking the world right now. The devil is making everybody offended. The Bible even says many offenses will come in the last day. But I'm going to tell you something. God's church will prevail. His church is arising in this hour. And it is not a season to be distracted with the mess of the world. It is a time to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, who is the author And the finisher of my faith. I'm not going to waver how I feel, what I think, what I'm believing God for. Because my faith is anchored in the word of God. I'm going to prosper in this season. I'm going to be blessed in this season. My kids are going to be favored in this season. I'm going to have promotion. I don't know what God wants to do in you. But God says, get your faith up. It's time to get your expectations up. We don't look what the world sees. We look at what God sees. Amen. This is the hour of the church. And the devil hates it. So he's doing all this noise over here and all this noise over here. And listen, everybody has a feeling from zero to 10, and they're on every point. So guess what? We're going to put our feelings behind us, and we're going to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Why? Because that's where my joy is. That's where my hope. The Bible says the word is the anchor of my soul everything that I'm feeling, everything that I'm going through, all my worries, whatever the world is is doing right now, not doing, I'm anchored in Jesus. I shall not be moved. I'm going to be blessed coming in and blessed going out. I'm going to have favor everywhere that I go. Why? Because God says he surrounds me with favor as a shield. People can't help but bless me. People can't help but promote me. God can't help but give me favor. Why? Because I'm his kid. But God's looking for people who say, I'm going to lay it all down, Jesus. And I'm going to touch the hem of your garment, and I'm going to give it all. I'm going to allow my emotions to come out. This is a season where we can be vulnerable to God. Amen? We can be real with the Holy Spirit and allow him to change us. And so she stood at his feet weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears. What a beautiful picture. And think about it. The moment that she broke that fragrance bottle open, her gift to Jesus, everyone in the room smelled that fragrance. When a church, when a person has a personal revival, and we're allowing worship in our daily life now, we're letting the word of God become alive in us. We're taking time to pray in the Holy Spirit. We're reaching our friends for Jesus Christ and telling our story. That's you breaking your alabaster box. And everybody around you in your world is going to say, what's different about them right now? What's different about them? I know they went to church, but wait, something's different now. This isn't about church. Something's different about them. I'm drawn to them. There's something about them. I might need to get to them. What do they want? They want the Jesus in you. They want the fragrance that has been broken that says, I'm going to give it all to Jesus and the world to say, what must I do to be saved? Revival will come to this world when we get revived. Amen? God is looking for his church to be not broken in a sense of Pain and sickness, but an openness of humility. Jesus, here it all is. Amen. Verse uh, 39. And when the Pharisee who had invited him in saw this, he spoke to himself, saying it's the arrogance of religious people, said to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, do you see how he really didn't see Jesus sent by God? He was just curious. What can he? What's, what's this guy about? Listen, religion will never find Jesus. Religion will never recognize Jesus. A broken heart that says, I'm in need of a Savior recognizes Jesus. And that's why we got to be so careful that we're not moving in religion and tradition because we won't be able to see Jesus in the middle of what's going on. Amen? So it goes on to say, this man said, if he were a prophet, would would know who and what manner of woman this is who touches him. What What does he identify her? For she is a sinner. Wow. See, religion will see sin, but Jesus sees a person. Jesus sees somebody that's been broken, hurt, who is willing to take whatever risk it took to show up in that house, to find out where he was, and walk through a Pharisee's front door. Jesus said, that's the kind of person I'm coming for. And Jesus answered and said to him, now I want you to look at this. This is what's so important for the church. This is the revelation I want you to see. Jesus looked at Simon, and he t- he's talking to Simon. If I was talking to Miss Karen, I'd say, Karen, I like your hair today. It is really cute, by the way. Everybody knows I'm talking to Karen because my posture, my, my voice, everything is talking to Karen. So he's looking at Simon, and he's discerned his heart that is judging him. And Jesus says this. Jesus is so cool. Simon. I have something to say to you. Can you imagine Jesus calling you out? I have a prophetic mom. My mom called me out all the time. It was horrible. Like I didn't get away with nothing. And he said, teacher, say it. Like he's still hiding behind his religion. Yeah, I want to hear. Verse 41, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and another 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Remember, he's talking to Simon. He's talking to him. What's better? One man owes 500, one man owes 50. Goes on to say, which one of them will love him more? Verse 43, Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more is gonna love Jesus more, right? So in verse, goes on to say, and he said to him, you have rightly judged. Now remember, he's talking to Simon. The woman sinner over here, washing his feet, weeping. you got the men probably on the walls going, what the heck is going on? What's Jesus going to do? What's Simon going to do? Right? Everybody's standing in attention. What is going on in this moment? They don't understand, but verse 44, listen to what happened. The woman's over here washing his feet. Simon's over here. He's talking to him. Then he turned to the woman, and he said to Simon, Now, I want you to see here, he's talking to Simon about forgiveness, which is greater. And the Bible says that he pivoted and he talked to the woman. Excuse me, he looked at the woman. God is calling the church in this hour. He's saying, hear the clarion call of the Holy Spirit. God is saying, you've looked at my church and you've loved me and you've been faithful and you've been doing church good. But I'm telling you now to pivot and begin to look to the world. God's saying pivot and look to the sinner. It doesn't mean we leave the church behind. It doesn't mean that church isn't important, but God is saying, church, listen, you've got to look to the world now. It is not about you. It is not about grace services for Christians. It is about a lost and dying world. We've got to look away from religion that is trying to tell us how we should do it, the way we should do it, and system and procedures, and we've got to look to the broken that is saying, I need a savior. And pivot, when you play basketball, I played for one summer, y'all, just so you know. And they never threw me the basketball. And I ran up and down that court. I mean, like, back. That's, that's the thing that thing sucks about basketball. Like, you just run back and forth. But when I did get the ball, I did know that when you got the ball, you pivot. You don't take the foot off the ground. I'm looking for my options. I'm acting like I'm a really cool player, I know. But you know the game, right? I'm not taking this foot off. I'm standing on the word of God. I'm standing on what I know. I'm standing on my truth. I'm not leaving the church to go. No, I've got my stability in the church. I've got my stability in serving, but I'm looking. I'm pivoting. Who's hurting? Who needs prayer? Who needs Jesus? Who needs forgiveness? Who needs healing, right? That's what Jesus is showing here. He's pivoting away from religion. Even though he loves Simon and he wants to reach Simon, but it's hard is for the woman who went through everything she could to humble herself to find a savior. Goes on in verse uh, 34, and he turned to the woman, but he spoke to Simon, and he said, Do you see this woman? He's not even looking at religion anymore. Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet but she washed my feet with her hair and with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. I'm telling you, the world is looking for love. The world is looking for hope. And religion is stoic and wants to do things the way they do things. Religion and tradition wants to run it the way that we always have run it. And Jesus is saying, get out of our religion and tradition. And let's begin to get uncomfortable to the world. The Bible says the harvest is ripe. It is ripe. Listen, your friends, your family members, your coworkers, people you run into on the street are wanting hope. They're wanting the touch of a Savior, and we've got to get out of being fearful of sharing our story and our testimony and what we look like. We've got to pivot and look to the world. My aim in this year, the rest of our year, is to take this church inside out. But with that being done, God will fill the church, and I'll share that in a minute. But God has first get us out of ourselves and get thinking about the world. Amen. Get thinking about Jesus showing up at our house but not giving him honor. Not being so familiar that we haven't allowed his presence to really come into our homes. allow true worship to come into our homes. I tell you, this season we have to crucify our flesh. Because, I, I mean, even this week, I'm like, okay, I need to turn off the TV. I need to stop being busy, and I need to put on a worship song, and I need to walk through my house and worship. And my flesh was like, no, I don't want to do it. But my spirit was saying, you need to do this. I'm calling you. I need you to hear me. I'm giving you a voice for this season. You've got to lay it down. You've got to sacrifice yourself. Do you hear the call of my spirit? And I'm like, yes, it's way out there, but I've got this thing really loud on the inside of me. Right? But I'm learning to quiet this and hear this. We've got to quiet this and hear this because God is speaking in this season. Amen? He is speaking in this season like never before. And I'm telling you, it's going to be really awesome. Let's go on to say, in verse 46, you did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed me, has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she has loved me much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. What is Jesus showing here? He's showing the need for repentance. Repentance humbling ourselves. Last week, I talked a lot about repentance, but repentance was the new wineskins. Remember last week? Repentance is this. It's a change in my mind and my character. So it's not, oh, I'm sorry for my sin. No, it's not that. Repentance is I'm changing the character that is betraying my walk with God. That's true repentance. So God is looking for us as his church for true repentance that changes me on Monday, changes me on Tuesday, changes me on Wednesday, where now my life becomes a living example of a relationship with Jesus. Amen? Verse 49, and those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? And then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Listen, church, this is what God wants us to do in this hour. He's calling the church to pivot. Let's begin to look at the church and love it, but let's all begin to look at the world, amen, and make this shift that God is calling us to make. So I want to go over into Acts for just a few minutes, and I want to share some things with you. We've been studying the book of Acts, whether you realized it or not, so go back and listen to the teachings, but I want to go back to Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. And it says this, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Savior. Verse 37, I might not have given the girls all of these, and that's okay. And now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Okay, let's go to verse 38. They have this. Then Peter said to them, we talked about being cut to the heart, remember? He shared his, the faith. He shared the revelation of Scripture. They were cut to the heart. And what, what was the voice of God? Verse 38, then Peter said to them, repent. Repent every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus. So the message after Jesus died, resurrected, and rose again, the message is repentance. Because repentance brings a different perspective of what God is doing, and when there's a different perspective of what God is doing, that creates revival. You cannot have revival in America until the church changes their perspective. Talked about it last week extensively, that changing room. What do you want to do different with me, God? What do you want me to let go in this season? Change my character. Change whatever got me in this moment. Change my perspective so that I can see and hear what God is doing. And when that happens, I'm going to show you in the church, in the example of the church, revival happened. But it didn't come without repentance. You want to see churches that are going to rise in this season, let me prophesy to you. It'll be churches that are teaching repentance, not sin conscious. We all feel guilty. We all, we all have remorse in our life. We wouldn't be human, right? But I'm talking about repentance that changes me. And only God knows what needs to be changed. I'm not here to tell you that. But there's a repentance that's a change of my perspective. But he said there's repentance, but also look at this. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the confession of your sins, right? So what is that in the name of Jesus? It means when you are baptized in the name of Jesus, I am taking on the nature and the character of Jesus. So when there is repentance, true repentance and conversion... Not just people coming to the church and say a good prayer, because we can get people. We've done that for years, and it hasn't created revival. Why? Because true repentance from the inside out changes us. And then when there's the baptism, which we show the outward expression of the inward working of Christ, it is I'm taking on the nature of Jesus. Jesus and all that he is, and all that he was, and all that the word says about him. That means when I go down in the water, I come up transformed in the image of Jesus Christ. That's good. That means that anything the world throws at me, It doesn't matter because I'm made in the image of Jesus. I took on his nature. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath, amen. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm victorious. Why? Because when I gave my life to Jesus, I came up a different person. I'm in his likeness now, amen. Amen. And I'm confessing to everyone around me that I stand for the name of Jesus and everything that that name denotes or talks about. I'm a living testimony of what Jesus has done in my life. And it doesn't mean I get it perfect. Look at the disciples. They were not perfect. They're like the perfect example of not being perfect. Jesus like, I know y'all are going to mess up. But you're still called by me. You're still anointed by me. My grace is still sufficient for you. My anointing still flows through you. No matter how imperfect you are, I am still in you. And we've got to rise up as the church in our witness and in our faith and not be ashamed. Amen? Because I'm going to baptize you now. You're going to have repentance. I'm going to baptize you in the name of Jesus. You're going to come up and who he is. And then what happened? And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's repentance There's water baptism, and there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the utterance of speaking in tongues. Listen, that is the gospel. When Jesus said, Go, I don't even know if I have time to go into those scriptures, but when he said, Go, he said, Go into all the world and make disciples of men. If you look at scripture verses, Matthew 8 28, he said, I've given you all authority on earth. Go make disciples. Tell the good news. Mark 16, he says, go in peace. Go and preach the gospel to every living creature. This was his message. Are what we're doing in life, does it filter through walking in authority in Jesus Christ? Does it filter through spreading the good news of Jesus? Does it go through laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover? That is the commission. Guess what? Everything else will follow. Favor, blessings. God can't help but bless you when you do his will. But as well as this was the commission, there was nothing else added to it. And I want to say stuff so bad, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to refrain my flesh right now. <laughs> we don't fight battles in this world. Listen to me. I'm like dying. <laughs> like want I say it so bad? But hear me by the spirit: we don't fight flesh and blood. We fight powers and principalities. And if you think what's going on in the world today is a flesh and blood issue, you are missing the voice of the spirit. Because this is a demonic spirit that has hit our nation. Somebody could get me a little water. Devil's trying to shut me up. I'm just kidding. It's drying in here. (laughs) Thank you. Amen. We've got to discern the moment. We can't take on all the garbage of the world and the distractions. we got to stay focused. Luke 24, he said, there must be repentance and there must be remission of sin showed by the presence of God and preaching the name of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all talked about the same message that now they are displaying in the example of the church. This is what church should look like. We have brought so much of religion and tradition to what church looks like don't raise your hand, but how many, you know, like when we changed the the way the flow of the service happened, it was kind of like, wait, what? I don't have a 60-second hug, somebody? Where's my video, right? This is supposed to be there. I love it that it's uncomfortable. I love it that it doesn't feel right, right, because we're breaking out of the shell. We're breaking it all off, Why? because I'm not going to be bound to religion anymore. It has seeped too much into the house of God, and people have gotten comfortable with curiosity of Jesus, instead of his power. Amen. I don't want to be curious about Jesus anymore. I'm going to wash his feet. (laughs) I want to worship him. Amen. I'm going to allow him into this place. I'm going to let him have his way. So quickly, if you go over to Acts chapter, um, gosh, we could just keep going, 238. Find out where I'm at here. Did I already read that? I already read that. Okay, Acts 2.39, let's close with this. For the promise, he said the Holy Spirit will come. Now listen, for the promise, what I talked about, confession, right, repentance, water baptism, being filled with the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. What is that promise? It says in Acts 16 that when you are saved, your whole household shall be saved. The promise of salvation is to your household. And you may think somebody is impossible with the gospel, but God says, my promise, in verse 39, my promise to you is when you are saved and you are witnesses of that salvation and you are exemplifying who Jesus is, your family members have no choice but to get saved. Your children have no choice but to serve Jesus. Your grandchildren are going to serve Jesus. When Bishop made a stand to make Jesus the Lord of his life, we had no choice but to follow Jesus. And I took a little detour. My brother took a big detour. Sometimes I feel the bigger the call, the bigger the detour. But you know what? We're both serving God in the house of the Lord. Grandchildren serving God in the house of the Lord. A great-grandchild now raising up in the house of the Lord. Why? Because the promise is to you and to your children. Amen? But that's when we know who we are. That's when we stand up in that time of I know Jesus, and he's in my home every day. All right, I want to go back. Let's see. Where do I want to take you guys? Okay, verse 8, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall, this is where we we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you shall receive power. Everybody say power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. When you were born again, you were filled with the Spirit. When you had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have the overflow of the Holy Spirit. It's taking a full glass of water and pouring a pitcher in that full glass. That's the overflow. That's the power of the church of Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have his power. We have the utterance of speaking in tongues that speaks the language of heaven. And why we live our life and never open up our mouth and speak in tongues, I'll never know. Because it is the language of God. When you're afraid, when you're angry, when you're offended, just start speaking the language of God. Just start speaking the language of God. Why? Because God understands your spirit. He connects to your faith. And God begins to change you and change the situation. But too many of us are opening up our English language. And God says, "Uh, I filled you with my power. Amen? And that power changes situations. And that power says what? You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. What is, what is witnesses? Witnesses are a living testimony. It's those that testify the truth. There's is a witness. Those that testify the truth to what they've experienced. Jesus said, you will be witnesses because you're going to experience my power and because of that power you will testify to the world of my power that now lives in you. Is that amazing? And he said, listen, this is the vision. You shall be witnesses in Jerusalem in Phoenix, Arizona. And in all Judea, Arizona. And Samaria, Maricopa County. And to the end of the world. You want to see the church arise? We need to be witnesses for the power of the Holy Spirit in our city. And when we take our city, we'll take our state. And we take our state, we'll take our county, we take our counties, we'll take America for Jesus. And we will eradicate every distraction and lies of the devil when the church of Jesus Christ arises in this hour with power and authority. We do not bow our knee to the devil. We stand righteous in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for me. Jesus suffered um, injustice. Jesus suffered prejudice. Come on, somebody. Jesus suffered everything on the cross. He suffered abandonment. He suffered a father's betrayal. He suffered everything on that cross so that his kids do not have to succumb to all of that. We can rise in righteousness and power and all authority. I have no limit in my life because I am a kid, a king's kid. Amen. You have all power, all authority. Amen. God has called us to win the world for Jesus. I'll take Phoenix first. Amen. Let's take Jerusalem. Let's take this city. Let's let this people know that we're here and that the power of God is real and that God is real. Amen. And that God can set them free. God can deliver them. I'm telling you, people are going to get delivered of demonic oppression in this church. People are going to be delivered of drug addictions at this church. And we're going to offer programs. We're starting Celebrate Recovery. But I'm telling you, there's going to be times where they're going to walk in this altar, and they're going to come in possessed and walk to this altar set free. Because that's the power of God. That's the church of Jesus Christ. Peter walked on the streets, and his shadow healed people. Peter wasn't perfect. My gosh. He betrayed Jesus. But he walked in his, his authority that he gave him in the death, burial, and resurrection. And because of that, signs and wonders followed him wherever he went. And we want that same authority, amen? amen? Amen. Okay, let's flip over really quick to Acts chapter, where do I want to take you all now? I don't even know. Yes, I do. All right, let's go over to verse 40, Acts chapter 2, verse 40. We're going to close up with this this morning. And when many words were, were um, testified... And exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word, they listened, right? They were baptized. They were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. What happened? The people saw the witness. And they heard the message. And because of the power of the Holy Spirit, they believed. They believed. And 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. Why? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit and repentance. And that revival started in Jerusalem and began the church as we know today. What happened? People were converted. God is looking for conversions. And then in verse 42, they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. What were they? They were committed to the cause. Do you know what the Apostle's doctrine is? I'll tell you really quick if you want to write it down. And I've been saying it through this whole teaching. But just so it's clear, the Apostle's doctrine was this repentance of sin, water baptism, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you look at the messages of the church, they don't funnel through those three things. We're missing the mark. The church is not for self help. Hear me by the Spirit. We have to go back to the founding word of God. We have to bring the message of repentance, water baptism, and baptism of the Holy Spirit for revival to happen. They were committed to this cause. And because they were committed to it, they saw the church of Jesus Christ arise. They saw revival. We as the church have to come to a place where we're committed to this message. I am not afraid of the message of Jesus Christ. And it's going to take us hearing this. It's going to take some time. I understand that. But I'm committed to this also. So they were committed and they were obedient to what they were called to do. And then what did they do? And they fellowshiped in the breaking of bread and prayers. What was that? That was friendships. Koinonia. They'd have church and then they'd go to their homes. They'd hear the word from the apostles. They'd come to the temple daily, hear the word from the apostles. They would go back to their neighborhood and they would invite all their friends over and they would break bread. And they'd have dinner together. And they say, do you know what the apostle said today? Do you know what Jesus did today? Let me tell you about that person that I was walking on the street and my shadow healed them. Let me tell you about that. And the Bible says that because of that, they broke f- uh, koinonia. They made friendships with one another. Listen, church, we can't just go home and not know each other. It's fellowship. I know you. I'm in your suffering. When you hurt. I hurt. When, when you rejoice, I rejoice. That's what the church looks like. We've got to make friendships in this hour, amen? I, I cover you. I protect you. Anybody else talks about you, they have to go through me first. You know the saying, you could, I may talk about my mama, but you better not talk about my mama. Nobody will ever, I, nobody will ever talk about you to me, I can tell you that right now, because I will defend you to every cause. And then I'll give you a chance to have your side of the story. Why? Because that's what we do when we're in relationship. That's what the church should look like. But the church divides. All this garbage. We can't be that anymore. We gotta coin a knee. Amen. Communion together. Verse forty-three. When when the people saw that, the fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. When the world sees the unity of the church and the power of the Holy Spirit, many signs and wonders follow. Do you see this? How it links together. Now all who believed were together had all things in common. Go to verse 46. So they continued daily in one accord in the temple, which I talked about, breaking bread. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Not church shifting. Not more Christians. And God will send in believers that are called to this mission. will happen but our mission is the world and the only way the world's gonna look at us is if we look like Jesus not perfect but I smell like him I look like him I'm not just curious what he can do for me I'm coming into his presence amen I'm coming into his presence so that I can look like him people will be drawn to me and listen One thing about this is that we're all different. Like, John the Baptist was a wild, crazy maniac. Like, Matthias, I think you're a John the Baptist, man. But you know what? That's okay. He can be John the Baptist. He doesn't have to be John the Beloved like me. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I just love John the Beloved, but you know what I'm saying? He was the one wild, turned the the whatever, the fur backwards, you know? He didn't have it on normal. He wanted to feel the pain of it. He wanted to be wild, and he, that's awesome. Be who you are. And if God wants to shave some stuff it's fine. You don't have to become this little pristine person to walk in your faith. Just be you. Be who God's called you to be because your voice and who you are will affect those that are called to you. And my voice and who I am will affect those that are called to me. I can't go go places and have a living testimony, no matter how powerful the name of Jesus is. But you can. Amen. And that's how we'll change the world for Jesus. I love you all so much. I could just go on for hours. Let's close this church service down. Father, I thank you today for this amazing church. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and creating and manifesting. We give you all the glory, God. It's your church. You have your way your will and we commit to it as a church we commit to this cause Father God we will lean that way we will move that way we will respond to you Jesus precious name